Tricast on this Sunday evening. Uh, today, or tonight, we have my co-host, Peter Ray Allison. Good evening, everyone. And a big welcome back to Laura Morrow. Hello, good evening. <laughs> How's things, Laura? Yeah, pretty good, thank you very much. Yeah, all, all being well since the last time I saw you all. Yeah, we were trying to figure yes. out how long that was. That would have been just before lockdown. Um, yeah, it was sometime, sometime between the beginning of lockdown and last year. I forget when exactly, but it's been a while, isn't it? It's been a yeah, while. Yeah, it was before you started your new job. And as soon yeah. as Kelly said, oh, you, you got that, you're got doing that now, are you? We should invite you under the podcast <laughs> again. And this will actually talk about writing, not just about wrestling. <laughs> That's what we talked about last time. We didn't I'm talk about anything else that we were meant to talk about. We just talked about wrestling. <laughs> I'm not I'm not precluding the possibility that we may end up talking about wrestling again, but you know. Wait a minute, actually. I was at Wales Comic Con yesterday and there was a lot of wrestling stars was there. there? AAW wrestling. At Comic Con. At yeah, the Comic-Con. yeah, they to be honest, um, they do actually have a fair few wrestlers on the, these uh, conventions. To be fair, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I remember there was one in oh god, what was it? I want to say it was Birmingham last year sometime, and they had some like you know classic wrestlers. AEW is a cool one because that's really quite relevant and quite new. So for the complete philistine here, mm-hmm. what is AEW? Because I haven't got a clue. So it's All Elite Wrestling. It was founded by, uh, it all depends on how much wrestling you know, I guess, but Cody Rhodes is in uh, Dustin Rhodes's Goldust's younger brother. Um, yeah, yeah. The Young Bucks, who are famous for sort of, most famous for New Japan Pro Wrestling, but also Ring of Honor. Kenny Omega, who again, Ring of Honor, New, New Japan Pro Wrestling, they all got together and they founded All Elite Wrestling, which was supposed to be like the anti-WWE. It's, you know, a popular American wrestling um, organization, but their ethos was supposed to be different to WWE. For the most part, they have been, but um, I I would definitely recommend it to people who are wrestling fans. I, I, it's my favourite promotion at the moment, actually. Okay, so what? how is it different to WWE? Because I, I've not watched wrestling for 20 years or thereabouts. The, WWE has, well, I say it's changed. It, it's, it hasn't, it hasn't. <laughs> but um, I think what's what I like about AW is it's more, uh, it's, Obviously, there's a commercial aspect. There will always be a commercial aspect, but you get the feeling that w, uh, that AW cares more about the actual wrestling, as opposed to the commercial side of it as much. WWE feels very much like a commercial product that's designed yeah. to appeal to as many people as possible. Whereas I feel like AW is kind of like a wrestling fans federation, I guess. So okay. I, I've got something that you'll be super impressed by, and you probably wouldn't have known about the last time we talked. But so um, you know, you know, you know, Bret Hart. You know, Bret Hart, the yeah. wrestler. Yeah. Okay. Of course, yeah. So Bret the Hitman Hart, one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. Like um, when I used to be in the wrestling when I was a kid, um, Bret the Hitman Hart was, you know, he was my wrestler. He was, just, you know, he was always the one to the point where I went to see him fight in the Ulster Hall in Belfast. Uh, it was the day John Candy died as well, which I remember. But uh th- we went th- we went and um I ran down to the front when he was coming down to sort of give us his glasses away. Um and um you know he he give I think he gave them to sort of a person beside me <laughs> and I was good because like obviously <laughs> it wasn't me. Um but uh, my 40th birthday um, last July and uh, my friend um, 
he sort of he was talking he was sitting there talking to me about because he does brazilian jiu-jitsu and stuff and he was talking to me about sort of this like this sort of this story about some guy he knew and somebody in a wheelchair and then and blah 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 and uh he was like oh i can show you a video if you want you can show you can show you a video of this this guy uh fighting and stuff and i was like, oh okay yeah cool man and he showed me this video and i opened it up and it was brett the hitman heart and i'm just like what that's that's brett that's brett hart and then i pressed play and then it was brett hart talking to me and then i was just like oh no he's gone and got me he's gone and got me one of those things so he literally all he did is he talked it was amazing man like i he talked to me about sort of like um when he they came to fight in belfast and i how you know you've always been a you've always I've, you've always had my back and now i've got your back and you know it was so good of you to sort of let that person have the my my shades and stuff and then he, at the end of it he, he held up some shades signed and then my mate just produced these shades from underneath his coat and gave them me signed by That's brett the so hitman cool. heart and i was like Oh my god! I literally cried. That like is a the baby. best present. Oh my god! Your friend is fantastic. I know. I literally, I, I literally cried. I I, I cried I and proceeded oh to cry for the rest of the night and stuff because I was just like, <laughs> that's the most heartfelt, best gift anybody yeah. has ever given to me ever. That really is. Oh, I mean, just the thought that's gone into that as well. I mean, yeah, quite aside from the fact that it's Brett fucking Hitman Heart, but you know, the the thought and the oh, that's that. 10 out of 10 yeah big 10 time like 10. i was absolutely i was i've never like thing is he's got game for it because so he's got game for doing stuff like that because he you know i i'm i like i buy well i buy him something every year christmas birthdays and stuff like that he gets something like he wants you know because uh, uh he, you know i don't think his missus sort of buys him sort of like shirts and, and and things that he doesn't really want and i buy him the nerdy things that he kind of he needs and wants and stuff but I, it's literally just a case of what do you want uh or what do you not have and then i just sort of kind of get him but he's really good like like on three occasions he's um he's done something similar where he sort of thought about something from my childhood and then got it for like so one example was me i used to go to a place called the abbey center in um newton abbey in belfast near belfast and um my, we used to go past this little toy store and i always had this sort of um sound wave transformer oh transformers, yeah, transformer. Yeah. and i always wanted that sound wave transformer um like and it was just something like my mom would never let us go into the shop she's like no you, you've got too many toys already i would never get i could never get that sound wave and then one day it gone so i never got it and then one day for christmas um he got me he got me the sound wave toy like I, i'm obviously in my 30s and stuff and he just produced the sound wave toy and i was like oh man no way that's, that's absolutely superb. amazing and then the other one he did for me as well so i'm into my warhammer and stuff like that and the first ever painted miniature I had was a lehman russ rogue trader edition lehman russ so like really small but well painted he had his wolves and stuff and my dog um chewed it up when i was a oh, kid no. and I, I so i lost it so it was my first ever model and it was the first one that got destroyed as well and he found like obviously not painted but he found on ebay um an old an old version of it and stuff so he he, he got me the um he got me the sort of 
uh he got me Liram Ross the, the metal version of it and I, I painted him up and stuff and I was just like yeah so he, he's very good as, as a friend for gifts like that you know re- these really sort of kind of thoughtful ones that yeah put you, put you to shame because you know <laughs> you're not doing the same. Yeah, I just yeah. bought him some I just bought him some Star Wars stuff and things like that and he's just like you know that time when you were 10 years old and you really wanted that and you didn't get it and it's like well here you go bro and I'm just like oh man Honestly, though, like, I'm a little bit like that. And the present is the giving it a lot of the time. Like, you know, you don't necessarily expect it back, but being able to do that and getting the reaction, that is the gift. Like, oh, yeah, I love that it. your gift hit, you know, that's, yeah. yeah. I, that I, is part of the joy your yeah. appreciation is is a gift in itself definitely yeah I, it's just i think because he's he's you know he's a big irish fella and yeah i think you know it is his mate of 30 odd years 30 i think how long have we known each other oh 36 years or something now but he, he's crying in front of him and he's just like all right <laughs> all right man it's okay it's, hold it together it's just a cameo <laughs> i'm just like it's oh, the best thing you've ever done for me man wow <laughs> absolutely amazing so yeah so yeah, I've got the video still, and I've got the I've got the sunglasses just over there and stuff, and it's just oh, like wow, so cool. just like amazing. My other half is a huge, uh, he's a huge Transformers fan. Like he's got a collection of you talk about hundreds of Transformers. Uh he's a huge Transformers nerd. Actually, funny enough, so I I watched it as a kid. You know, as you do, like growing yeah. up in the eighties, I watched Transformers as a kid. But I never really got hugely into it. He he was very into it, and he came up to me with this comic one day, and he went, "You have to read this comic," and it was a Transformers comic, and I was like, "Really." You really want me to read Transformers comic? He went, no, 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 no. Just read the comic. So I was like, fine, okay, I'll pick the comic up, I'll read it. And oh my God, it is the best comic I've ever read. It, <laughs> more than meets the eye. Uh, James Roberts was the writer. Okay. And it's, ah, oh, it is just, it, it it redefined comics for me. It really did. Like, you know, I've always been into manga, you know, you know, Japanese kind of, I guess Japanese comics, if you want to put it a certain way. But Western comics never really got me in the same way. But this... It really did change the way I see comics and change the way I saw Transformers as well. It's just the best comic I've ever read. So I would recommend it to all Transformers fans, uh, or even if you're not a Transformers fan. What's it called again? Uh, it was originally called More Than Meets the Eye, but it then changed its name to Lost Light. Okay. And it's like a space, I guess like a space opera kind of. It's a space adventure, but it's got a sense of humour comparable to Red Dwarf, <laughs> which I think okay. is what really made The writer is British. Is uh, James Roberts is an English uh, English writer, and it, it, the British sense of humour really shines through in it, which is part of the joy of it, I think. Okay. But it's just a really good comic as well. Yeah, well, that's it. You know, um, I like, I love the 80s Transformers. I still haven't got over the death, yeah. uh, the, yeah. the death of Optimus oh, Prime. Who has? You know, as a child, that's a really sort of like that that Didn't moment happen. when he, he turns grey. You're just like, what's what's happening? Do you remember <laughs> in the first like ten minutes of the Transformers movie, and about fifty, it was like Game of Thrones. Like everyone Literally, died in the first yeah. ten minutes. It's like as a, <laughs> that as... was. No, go on. As a child, you're like you're going. You don't expect that, and like I'm, I'm trying to think when it was released. You would have, I would have been pretty young. It was released on the day that I was born. Really? Wow. wow. So, yeah, I 8th was... of August, nineteen eighty-six. Yeah. So I was, I was, I was five years old when I watched that, and I'm like thinking, oh, I love these guys, and then <laughs> suddenly, you yeah. know, Iron Eyes being he's blown, dead. He's, he's dead. dead, and I'm like, what the hell's going on? And then, and then, bloody Optimus Prime <laughs> turns grey and dies, and yeah. you're just like. Apparently they did it just to sell toys because they wanted to, yeah. they wanted to sell more toys. <laughs> I and I was just Rod- like, Rod- Rodimus Prime. Op- mean- Optimus is, is old hat. It's Rodimus now. Yeah, Rodimus Prime. Oh god. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's just oh. like, uh this ruining childhoods. <laughs> the eighties was particularly brutal for 
cartoons though wasn't it like yeah but i guess part of it was because there was a kind watership of like oh yeah we've got to sell water everybody yes that's literally what i was down. thinking everybody brings up watership <laughs> dying it's so tragic uh, that film scarred me for life yeah. it is, is. apparently it wasn't meant to be a children's film it was no uh, it isn't it isn't when you read the book i mean that book is the book that turned me into a writer 100 percent. like it is the formative text for me but it is not for kids. It is oh, no. definitely not for kids. It's the Odyssey with rabbits. <laughs> it, just, it isn't for kids in any way. And I think the mistake of it was parents looking at going, oh, bunnies. That must be a great film for the kids. No, no, no don't do no, that. No, bunnies, cartoon. It's a film for kids. Yeah, exactly. It, no. God, no. Yeah, God, no. I think we just quite, we, my, my, my brother and sister quite like the seagull. Um, oh, yeah, because yeah. he swore, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah the seagull yeah. quite like the seagull but yeah i have still like if i uh, if i think about watership down my first sort of thought is that fight in the tunnel where they're yeah. literally taking chunks out of each other and there's blood everywhere yeah. and i'm pretty sure we are only like you know six seven years old when we're watching that yeah. it was traumatic it was a traumatic experience it's, I, I i don't know what that generation of parents were thinking mm-hmm. <laughs> just sit the sit the kids in front of the team with a nice video there we go yeah just, i don't <laughs> think they care like I, my, my parents weren't too like pretty much they knew we were, I, I, I was scared of most things so pretty much if i, I you know I'd, I'd run off if i didn't want that like i used, yeah, to, I used yeah. to hide behind the tv in super, when superman 3 you know when the woman gets turned into a robot in superman but 3 that, was ter- that terrified me too yeah i used <laughs> to hide behind the tv but every time that happened i wouldn't sort of run. there's and, a reason why i got into into science and technology to make sure that didn't happen <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes childhood trauma has good effects. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, Laura, um, you're back on. What have you been up to? What's what's going on? Oh, well, I mean, as Pete said earlier, I yeah, I I got a new job. Um, actually, coming up to the end of my contract now, so I'm not totally sure where I will be at the end of the month. But I've been yeah, a narrative designer for a video games company, which is a complete. I mean, you know, I said it's a complete departure. I've always been I've been a writer for a long time, but never in this. This is a this is a new to write as a profession is new for me, you know, to yeah. have it's my day job. What is the difference between a writer and a narrative designer? So a narrative designer, you, and I, obviously I can't say this is how it works in all games companies because I've only yeah. ever worked for the one. So, <laughs> But um, you kind of start from writing what they call a treatment and that is just a, like a blow by blow. I guess it's similar to if you're planning a story, but it's, you write the story, that's one, that's one, section of it is this is the story then you've got to write the script and that involves setting out <laughs> characters it involves um narrative arcs and making sure that your narrative arcs are all consistent then you've got the law which is a completely different section and you know that all has to be contingent with your story with your characters then obviously there's the element of putting it into the game which is the bit that i had no experience with and we use unreal engine various companies will use different engines so learning how to implement a script into a game engine was a completely new completely new i'm still not 100 confident at it but it was a cool skill it's a, bit, it's a cool skill to learn it's a cool thing to like i feel like a legitimate developer now i can i can kind of do that <laughs> are you allowed yeah. to tell us what the game was or it's hopefully going to be announced fairly soon but i'm under wraps uh, as to I'm... The, the game. Damn I, you, I, I, yeah, I know. I have to, I have to come back again. Um, it's. I work for the company I work for. is called Bonsai Collective, and it's sorry, my cat is photobombing me. Um, it's a brand new. 
I say brand new, it's been around for a couple of years now, but this is the first game from that particular company. So I Ooh. think it's it's going to be really exciting getting it out into the world. And I'm I'm kind of nervous because like, obviously, you know, you're always nervous about reviews, aren't you? But I think because it is such a new thing for me to write this medium, I'm extra nervous. <laughs> like writing a game and it, it is a different, it's definitely a different animal. It's a different discipline. That's one thing I've learned. It's yeah. not the same what, as writing books. What tools did you use for writing the script for the game? Because I imagine you can't just chuck it on in Word and, and just shoot it off to the developers. You would be surprised. So, I mean, oh. my boss uses Scrivener a lot because yeah. it's very good for scripts. And I use Scrivener a little bit. But what I tended to do is my when I drafted it, I drafted it all in Word. So I just wrote it all in Word in a script format and just drafted it out. And then from there, you put it into well, we, what we use is something called CSV, which is just an Excel spreadsheet, basically. Yeah. yeah. And this the Excel spreadsheet with a bit of coded wizardry, our programmers are fantastic. They have rigged it so that it uploads into the game engine. So that spreadsheet has got various things. It knows what character says it, how long it's got to be on the screen for, what the next line is and so on and so forth. And it's all coded in and that gets uploaded into. So actually writing it in Word and then transcribing it into excel is not too tricky it is so I, I say other other companies may do it completely differently yeah but that's how that's how we did it so this okay. is so you're you're very um you're waiting for the, the game to come out and the reviews to come out and see how people th- how people feel about it all yeah I've, I've done my job properly um hopefully people will you know enjoy it the problem with games is people play them for different reasons as well so it may be that people play that game and they're not interested in the story they don't care about the story they're in it for the game experience which is valid you know i get that but i do i hope that there is a subsection of gamers who will play it and will engage with the story because i do you know i feel like i'm biased obviously but i do think it's a really good story i mean the story when i joined the company the overarching narrative had already been decided so it isn't all my invention the characters had already been decided in a way that's that's quite that's quite exciting because i'm getting to play with someone else's sandpit i guess in a way yeah but bring my own take to it which is interesting i really enjoyed doing that but um yeah i do think it's going to be a really good story and i do think that if you know I hope that people will engage with it and I hope that people will get into the lore of it and the world that we've created and, you know, really believe in it. That's that's something I, I hope for. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, lore is never something we've really had to consider before in gameplay, but now with the narrative options increasing, you know, there is a yeah. need for lore in video games now. So, yeah. I mean, so how did you do that? Was that like using some sort of like intranet and the internal wiki or...? Yeah, it's interesting the way that the law works. So obviously, we're quite lucky that our game is, uh, it's its a short and relatively linear game. So it's not as complex as it could be law wise. Um, but it is like keeping an encyclopedia, kind of like a, go- a master Google Doc, kind of, of here are the locations, here are the characters, here's the narrative beats. This is all the stuff. And then, I mean, I'm quite fortunate in the in this particular project, most of it has been down to me. So I've only really had to refer to myself and not had to kind of manage other people too much and say, oh, you know, here we're keeping all the law in line. Um, I can imagine that if the pro- if, if if we are lucky enough to get a second game and if the project expands a little bit, I may need or, you know, whoever writes it, if I don't, is going to need a team of um a slightly bigger team to handle the law because it, it you know things expand and things you know 
you, you can build a huge world and the gamer will only see a fraction of it, but we have to know everything, even if yeah. you don't. You know, that's the complex thing. Like one of the things that you get from publisher feedback is, well, how does this work? And it doesn't really matter too much that it isn't going to be in the game. Like the, the player isn't going to necessarily find that out, but we have to know. We have to understand. Because if, yeah. if it ever does come up, it's got to be, you know, it's going to be an answer. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Has the in has there been like um like you know, a what's the word for it conflict between the um narrative beats and the gameplay beats, so to speak? Oh yeah, that comes up definitely. There. I mean, the thing is, you're quite limited. So sometimes you know you want to do a particular thing narrative wise that. Unfortunately, because of the limits and, you know, re when, I, when we say resources, that can mean anything from time, team members, uh, the limitations of the software, of, of, of the, you know, the the engine that you're running. Um, but you've just not got the resources to, re to do it. So, for example, if we've got something that requires a complex cutscene uh, and your facial animations aren't rigged, well, then you can't show it emotion via the faces so you've got to find other ways and that can be quite fun as well because then you've got to do it through dialogue but also music I, is a way that we've kind of thought oh you know if you can't evoke emotion through expressions then music is another good way so it does force you to be creative but yeah definitely there are conflicts between what I would like to do narratively and what is possible definitely yeah. uh, do you do you have like so when you're writing you're writing the dialogue for your the game is it multiple option dialogues or do you have to write different things or yeah so we do have a limited amount of that it's because it's a linear game the the dialogue options are really kind of for i guess not i don't want to say for show because you know, they, they do illuminate certain things about the world, but it's not like, you know, when you're playing, I don't know if you've ever heard of the game Disco Elysium, for example, which is yes. one of my one of my absolute favourite games. And that that is very much, I mean, I, I can't even fathom how they wrote that. <laughs> because all of the dialogue options do have a bearing on what happens and do have a bearing on, whereas this is more, the dialogue options will always lead to the same story in the end, but you may get there a slightly different way or you may learn different things about the character or the world that you're in. Uh, but that's tricky again you know that's all down to coding so it's down to you normally have like if you've got your excel spreadsheet you've got line a leads to line b leads to line c leads to line d right so that's nice and easy to program if you've got a dialogue option you've got to go okay if true then this leads to that but then that also so you've kind of got this branching it's it becomes more complex to do that so and then of course you've got to write two lines of dialogue for each option and yeah it can be it can be it can be complicated but it's it's also quite fun to kind of imagine the way that your character might respond in different moods or in different, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Has kind of working remotely due to COVID and everything had any impact on how you've approached this? I, so our studio is fully remote anyway, which is quite a cool thing. Um, and I think from what I understand, a lot of studios are going in that direction now. If not fully remotely, then a lot of them are heading in. A because the thing is, as long as you've got a powerful enough computer and you've got the internet, you can more or less yeah. do everything from home anyway. So the one thing you, I guess you, the face-to-face -face element of it, you do miss, but we have team meetings every day. We do it all over Discord. So we're video calling every single day. It feels like you know them anyway. We did have a, a meet up a few weeks ago of the team and it was great to meet people in person. And that did kind of add an extra element because now I actually feel like I know my colleagues. <laughs> in person. But um, yeah, I, it's, I was working remotely before that in my old job anyway, and I, I love working remotely personally. I'm 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 a very reclusive little little hobbit, you know. I'm a I'm a I'm a 
I, I, I don't do the outside world. So for me, it's been great. The opportunity to just stay at home and work and, you know, just immerse myself has been great. The one downside, I suppose, is that you can't just turn around and go, hey, what do you think of this? You know, it's, I guess, ha- having never compared it to anything, I don't know if that's a thing that normally happens. So, <laughs> you know, I've, I can't miss what I've never had, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, um, so we, I, I used to be in the office every day and like, I, you know, I hate, I hate getting up early uh, and having to get public transport and go in, but I don't mind being in the office itself. I like being around people and stuff, but I now work from home four days, sometimes five days a week. And I love it, you know, because, you know, you've got teams and you've got sort of, it's quite easy just to sort of, you know, you can talk to everybody you need to talk to. Um, yeah. You know, you you don't get that sort of personal interaction, like you know, with multiple people, which you know you do would you would get in the office. Yeah, um, well, like when you just go up and make a cup, you make a cup of tea, and you have a little chat with whoever. Yeah, exactly. You, you know, very, yeah, yeah, yeah. That you don't kind get of that. Organic thing. But it's sort of weighing yeah. it up. I'm like you. It's just like you know, I you know, I've got WhatsApp groups and I've got you've got teams yeah. and stuff and i you know i talk to everybody anyway and i don't have to get up at stupid o'clock in the morning and i can just roll out of bed yeah. roll downstairs stick on the computer and yeah. I, I'm, I'm i'm good to go so um i very much prefer sort of kind of working from home simply because i don't have to deal with johnny public on the train yes. <laughs> johnny public on the train and um i don't have to sort of um get up stupidly early and uh, that sort of and it saves me money it's, yeah it's... the saving the money is that's the big thing for me was you know when I was living before and also the fact that, that that's why I was able to move in the first place because my job is remote so I can do it anywhere otherwise I would have been tethered to having to have a job in or around London which you know I, you know I love London but it's very expensive so moving and being able to cut down that commute cost and just the amount of money that it saves it it makes so much of a difference oh yeah I mean one of the reasons why one of the many reasons I should say I wouldn't became a freelance journalist was because I was paying about eleven pounds a day just to go to work. Yeah. On the train it's and isn't it? Yeah. Well, it's like it's and time that. as well is the other thing. You know, it's financial costs but also the time costs. You know, I was travelling nearly an hour there and an hour back and that's yeah. an hour I've got back to well, do whatever yeah, I want with. I think you get with they find with us well, I think they find that people are generally a bit more product well, most people are generally a bit more productive because, you know, people would leave on the dot and then sort of come, you know, come back. Whereas now, because they're sort of working from home, like I, I work a bit later because, you know, I, I would have been on the train probably uh, for an hour trying to get back. And then obviously there's walking to the train station and walking, walking back and all these things. So, you know, I work a bit later because, you know, because it's not really wasting much of my time because I was already yeah. you know, going to be on public transport and stuff. Um but yeah, the whole the whole match cost me it cost me like eleven quid a day for the train. Then there was food. Uh, then there was sort of like petrol. Then there was doggy daycare for my dog. And yeah, um, yeah it was just and all sort of cut and tied up. And it actually got to the point where they were saying, we need you to come into the office sort of three times a day, three times a day, three times a week. And I was just <laughs> like, um, I was like, yeah, well, you know the way everything's like super expensive now at the minute uh yeah. and coming in three times even three times a week i'm gonna have to get a a, a yearly pass for the train that's gonna cost me a grand i'm gonna have the additional things any chance i can just work from home you don't need me in the office and they went yeah all right okay yeah like we've the genie's out the bottle on this now isn't it we can't put it back in we've realized now that 
obviously some jobs you have to be in person I think some jobs probably work better in person and there are other people like my other half he likes to be in the office uh, and that's fine that's just his personality he's but he's a manager so I think it's easier but you know I don't think you can really justify telling people they have to be in the office anymore yeah I think you know you said I think it's one of the one of the one of the good things that happened for because of COVID and stuff is that it actually forced people to sort of do the whole working from home thing and realize yeah. that it works and stuff yeah. and i think the only reason like my i think the only reason my work sort of pushed people to come into the office is one because there were some people who take the who take the piss uh but then two because they've got this massive office space that they've they've obviously yeah. rented for yeah. like 20 years 30 years or something and it, it's going to be empty so they kind of need to justify the expense and have people yeah. in it and stuff so my previous company bought bought a brand new premises in the middle of london and they were all like yeah we'll make money by renting it out and doing events and then covid happened and they did not make much money by renting it out and doing events yeah. <laughs> yeah that was it was unfortunate it was very unfortunate but yeah i've heard several companies have actually just sold off their company headquarters yeah. or downsized and just because they don't need people to come in and it's like they're going to for hybrid working i mean there are some uh roles that you, d- you do need to be in the job for like especially like you know, in the chemistry uh, chemical industries and you know science and research and yes you do need you know lab people in the lab yeah like previously my my old jobs there's no way i could have done any of those from home you know when i used to work in medical labs you have to be in the lab exactly but, but there's lots of stuff you can do remotely yeah so yes yeah, so, and I'd be very surprised if we go back to like back to work, back to the offices, and everyone's just going, "Why? No." Yeah. When was the last time Especially you were in the right office, now. Pete? When was the last time you were in the office? Are you asking me? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, last time I was in the office. Um, tw- ooh, that's a good question. How long have you been freelancing for? Six years full time. I've oh, been freelancing since twenty thirteen. Uh, my first paid gig was uh, writing an article for Games TM, okay. page feature. That was my very first paid gig. Then I did a couple of stuff in the BBC, and then my following annual review, the boss said to me, "We noticed you've been doing a fair bit of kind of like writing articles." Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like so I'm doing spare time. Yeah, like you know, yeah, for the BBC. Yeah, like, it's just something to do on the train. Are you thinking of changing fees? No. Yes, I was. And so, yeah, it's, it's, I've seen about, I've been working from home for six years now. So, the impact for me has been very little, very minor, yeah. other than homeschooling the kids. Yeah, I think that was a big yeah. problem, wasn't it, for a yeah. lot of people homeschooling the kids? I've, I've, I, I got like a lot of people were going into the office just so they could get away from that. Well, and stuff. This was one of the many, many reasons why uh, I went to, I freelance work from home was so you know for instances like like where the kids are home i can just basically drop my job and just go and look after the kids yeah yeah it's less you know kaylee's role is less flexible than mine so fine kaylee works upstairs and i just look after the kids so to be honest i say look after the kids mostly i took my eldest upstairs with the laptop i said right you know what you're doing go do it um send my eldest son off with the tablet and say, right, you know what you're doing. Got any questions? Speak to mummy. <laughs> and then, which because it's maths and uh, Kelly's fantastic in maths and I'm not. Um, and 
I just sit down with you, my youngest, um, who, who was five then, and just say, right, okay, let's go through this and all work it and work it all out. And basically, kind of like like do the various things that the teacher set for us. And but yeah, it was it was literally a full time job homeschooling the kids and like yeah, that must be hard. That must be hard. I do I do have a lot of sympathy for parents. You know, I'm sitting there going, oh, it's great. You know, I get to be at home with my cats. But, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, but it is fantastic. I mean, we've got to spend more time together as a family. I guess that's also true. Yeah, I guess it swings around about, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, we and I know it's like you've got to have hours exercise every day. We did hours exercise together every day. Went out for walks around the, the village and just kind of explored the local area and learned about the history. Um, oh, like a for doing PE, I because the roads are so quiet, especially during that first lockdown, mm. I gave my kids bike um, road safety lessons on the bikes. Yeah, because it's a perfect time, and like you know, also like now, like with the schools back in, but clearly still remote working, and will be for the foreseeable because there's been no change in terms of productivity and hitting the targets. Um, she can like still be a mum on a work day and like take the kids to, to school and pick them back up again which is something she never could do when yeah. um, she was working in the office. So, yeah, it is very much swings around, but there's some benefits, but there's some challenges, and you just yeah. learn to work around it. Yeah, and I think it's, you know, COVID's not going uh, COVID's not going anywhere. I think it's literally going to be forever. It's just going to be a seasonal sort of thing. Exactly. Um, it, I mean, there's been, I've been hearing reports of the next evolution of the Omicron variant, and... Yeah, it's going to be. It's going to be here. It's going to be keep evolving. Generally, my general understanding from speaking to various people um, is that it's going to be here for you know for the foreseeable and just become like a part of our flu vaccination. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If if you don't have flu vaccination, you will get hurt. If you if you do have it, you'll have so, I won't say immunity, but you do have a resistance to it that will lessen the symptoms. Yeah. 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 So get your bloody vaccination, you bloody idiots. <laughs> Woo, internet explode. <laughs> oh, you, tell me I did an article. But, oh, oh, end of 2020 about vaccine manufacture on BBC Future. The messages I got. <laughs> the idiots. How dare you? why don't you go and do some proper journalism i did yeah i went out and spoke to the um yeah. like va- virus manufacturers i spoke to like the um person who invented rna vaccines yeah how much more work do you want someone to do what more yeah. do you want it just because it doesn't align with your crackpot theories i'm sorry no, yeah. scratch that. I'm not sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. That's yeah. the joy of making things up for a living is that no one can tell you. You, just, you know, if you, no one can say, oh, you, you've got to do it this way. No, I do what I want. I can make don't it get, well. Do you? Uh, don't well. Don't, really? Well, <laughs> the, we'll find out, a, won't we? <laughs> but there is a fringe minority out there. Yeah. And I do say minority because generally most people enjoy what they read. I enjoy what the play and what have you but the risk like oh they shouldn't have done that they should have done this yeah i mean there's two levels of it isn't there there is definitely like a i personally didn't enjoy the way x ended right yeah. and that's fine i think it's okay to kind of go well it isn't what i would have wanted that's normal you know i think a lot of people would say that they felt that way at some point where it goes a bit awry is when people go i didn't like the way that this ended it should have done 
ended in this way because I know better than the writer does. And uh, I'm going to send me messages about it or I'm going to oh. r- rant about it on Twitter or I'm going to, you know, it's, it's a sense of, enti- I think the difference is a sense of disappointment, which is understandable and valid and a sense of entitlement, which elevates it to a point where it's like, I didn't like this and I'm going to make this everyone's problem. If that makes sense. Yeah. Sorry, I completely like, completely missed that because my my dog has this uncanny <laughs> has this uncanny sense when I'm doing anything that relates to streaming and stuff that he just wants to be an asshole. So he's kicking off, <laughs> but he's kicking off there, and then he decided that he wanted outside again, so he's just sitting whimpering at the back door. <sighs> no, I'll just say that the difference between disappointment and entitlement when it comes to not enjoying particular bits of me. Like for example, like I'm one of the people who didn't enjoy the way Game of Thrones ended. But oh, I'm not going to really. I am. I am. But yeah. I'm not going to sit there and kick off about it, and I'm not going to sit there and go, "Well, if I was the writer, well, I'm not the writer, am I?" And oh well, I mean, besides the fact that I think I'll be interested to see what if George R. R. Martin ever finishes it, what his ending will be. Yeah, he's got his but, money now. He doesn't give a fuck. Well, winter, winter. How long has it been? Ten years. Uh, but, um, well, yeah. What's the last Dance Dance with Dragons was two thousand and. 2000, yeah, 2011, 2012 is what popped into my head as well. Yeah, 2000... He's just been writing Elden Ring, so, you know, he obviously yeah. ain't that bothered. Yeah. <laughs> Which is fine, you know what I mean? At the end of the day, I also think there's a weird entitlement with things like, and, and, and as much as I really want to see the A Song of Ice and Fire books finished, if it's, if he doesn't want to do it, he doesn't want to do it. It's, yeah. He's not a machine, you know? Let him do what he wants. He's an old man. But I, Yeah, I'm I'm sort of because of the way the series ended, it sort of put a a slight bitter taste on my mouth for the books. Yes, yeah. because so I'm not as uh, I'm not as fussed about it now. Like when I, you know, when I'd read the books, I was I was I was like, please get these done now because uh, it just it it just didn't end very well at all. No, uh, and I, I think they, it was it wasn't what I wasn't it wasn't what I wanted, but also it wasn't what. It, it's weird. They I oversimplified think it. The it. That, they oversimplified it. Yeah, oversimplified it. it is exactly it, yes. I think it ended the way that I thought it would end overall, you know, in terms of the end point, but how they got there was what bothered me, I think. Mm, I, I, I don't know. I, I think it, it just seemed too yeah. sort of like cut and dry. Like it's like, like they had yeah. such a complicated, complicated sort of um, piece of literature and they sort of were doing it all justice for the first sort of kind of three uh, three seasons, and then they started kind of going, "Oh crap, we've we've got you know we've run, we've run out of material." Yeah, we need to sort of we need to sort of kind yeah, of could... start wrapping this up. So things started like yeah. what became really complicated. They started kind of cutting corners and things, and like I still you know like I don't, I don't think they should have killed Littlefinger, um, you know, and I don't sort of there's lots of things and having my sins. I'm a huge Stannis Baratheon fan, so can, you can imagine how I felt about that. Yeah, and so like you know, I really felt like that was a character assassination, to be yeah, quite honest. But. And it's just, <laughs> there's loads of stuff, and I think it's sort of, you know, the having Bran being elected king at the end. And yeah, stuff, I didn't enjoy that. It's just like what, what, and it's just come on, it's this is Game of Thrones and stuff, and it's just like, and then it's just like, you know, he kills he kills Danny and it's just like, okay, fine. But then it's just like, you know, Grey Grey Worm just kinda goes, All right. <laughs> yeah, leaves. that was there were just some really Yeah, you could tell they were just like, We just need to finish this now. Yeah, I don't care anymore. Yeah. Yes, like it's just like they really they majorly rushed it and stuff. They they yeah. should have just realized that they couldn't have done that. They'd have to sort of carry it on. They could have got to the same sort of like I didn't mind Danny going 
bad. I thought that was quite I a good. S- you know, I could see it happening. I just think that they needed more time yeah, to a bit, make a, it a bit more exposition and stuff. There. Yeah, they I needed think they the need sort of... to kind of lay the groundwork more. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because she just was... kind of went mad overnight almost, and she had those elements too, like where she kind of crucified all those slaves. Yeah, like she always had it in her. You know, there was the whole kind but... of white savior thing going on that was a little bit like odd. Yeah, love, are you sure? But yeah, <laughs> and then so it kind of made sense that she would go down that road. And yeah, they set the ground of the Mad King, the Mad Queen, and all of that, but it did seem to kind of escalate out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Instead of being kind of a gradual inclination, it was like a series of peaks randomly. Yes. So it just felt yeah. very chaotic. Chaotic, in the, it's, um... the other thing I didn't enjoy, uh, firstly, I think Cersei deserved a better ending than the one yeah. that she got. Oh, yeah. Jamie as well. Thing. Oh, yeah. that pissed me off so much. I just don't like when people set up a whole character arc and then they just go, and then he changes his mind. Yeah. I went back to who was before. And I'm yeah, like, well, oh. yeah. <laughs> yeah that, that thing with Jamie is well, that threw me. Because in the first season, it took them several episodes to get down to King's Landing. Yeah. And then in the, the final season, um, Jamie Lannister literally went from King's Landing uh, to from to King's Landing from um, the north in the space of an episode. Well, literally between an episode. <laughs> Me and my other half used to joke about Littlefinger because Littlefinger always jumped from play. We used to joke they had a jetpack because yeah, Littlefinger, yeah. Littlefinger could just literally just well, appear. He was such a good across character. like all across the kingdoms, and it'd be like, "How's he getting there?" He's obviously just got this jetpack. Littlefinger like taking off, going. Such a good character. Thumbs such a good. Up. I just think you know he they just didn't do him justice. Um, and Varys was the other yeah, one. I think yeah. Varys was. Oh, it was so unfair what happened to Varys. Yeah, I think Varys went for someone who was incredibly intelligent to make some really dumb decisions. Yeah. Like I'm going to completely openly talk about dissent against uh, Danny. Yeah. Like. This, oh, is, this is the spider. This is the man who's kept everything hidden all this time, and suddenly he's, he's like holding the idiot ball. Yeah, and Tyrion yeah. sort of got a bad sort of, and it's just like you know, there's a lot. I think they had Look them. Look at Jon Snow. He turned yeah. into. He oh, went from being the king of the north to my queen, my yeah. queen. So he just, he was, he was just, he just like. It's like they had these sort of kind of strong characters, and then when they ran out of book material, yeah. they just That's, kind of went. Uh, That's where it went downhill, wasn't it? All right, okay, we're going to do this, yeah. and like Jon Snow's a fucking idiot now, and yeah. Tyrion's just making mistakes on that, and Daddy's gone mad, and it's just like, oh, wait, you're, you're killing it, man. Like the yeah. the battle, the battle against the White Walk, the White Walkers thing annoyed me because they were this sort of imposing sort of thing. In the books, especially, it's like something that sort of is, you know, it's this gradual sort of kind of burn, and and then suddenly they they have it, and then it's just like it's over. It's like yeah. that's it. It was set up as being like, do you remember they did that whole thing about oh, the you know, it's bigger than bigger than the Game of Thrones. It's bigger than kings and queens. It's bigger than everything. And then it's like we're going to get this out of the way, and then we're going to have some kings and queens. And it's like, well, that should have been the apocalyptic ending. That should have been yeah, the ending. If it, was, if it was bigger than everything, then that's how it should have ended. Not have have them sort out the things within Westeros and then yeah, face then, the yeah yeah the battle well, for we- okay the battle for Winterfell battle. really pissed me off simply because on a military history's point of view it's like <laughs> why have you got yeah. everybody outside your castle and lined them up with the cavalry in the front and then discharge the cavalry off it's like the cavalry's always on the flanks and you never discharge it blindly I- into nothingness why would you yeah, ever I- do why that? charge your cavalry at night yeah it's just it was just yeah, so, it was just it was so pointless and it was just like 
I was like, I want to like this, but I'm really annoyed by this. And it's just, the whole thing was just slowly just getting worse and worse. And I was just like, oh God. And then that, that, that that for me, that sort of affected my sort of wanting for the books and stuff. Because it's just like. I've got a theory that George R.R. Martin had sort of written himself into a corner with with his last book and said, okay, guys, let's see what you come up with. Yeah. And the, and the busy How do you do. think it would end? What well, do you think? Is he's got <laughs> two more books. So, Winds of Winter, Song of Summer. Yeah. Um, and even that's going to be a, a struggle to get to sort of tie things up in because you know the books end with um, Jon Snow's just had his co- throat cut. Um, and yeah. he said he says ghost, and he, you know that was that was a moment where I'd re- I was reading it going. I'm f- I, I literally did a Joey thing. as like, I'm going to put this book in the freezer and I stopped reading it for ages, I think. Uh, I actually, I, it took me a month from that point from when Jon Snow was, inverted commas, killed to finding out about, you know, the, I think the last scene is when um, Kevin Lannister, uh, Tywin's brother, is killed by Varys. And then the invasion, yeah. there's the invasion of Westeros by, is it Little Griff? Is it Little Griff's guy? Uh... There's the other, there's oh, the other, there's the, the other Targ- the other Targaryens. Yeah, yeah, Aegon, fake. Is it a fake Aegon? I can't remember. They're all fake area. At the, the, I can't remember. Who, I, I can't remember. Oh, out of the out of the show, didn't they? So yeah. Was, so I, yeah. you know, and there's that invasion, and it's sort of like you know, and Varys is on their side. He's not on Daenerys' side. Daenerys is off somewhere, sort of on Drogon. She sort of like disappeared. Um, yeah, she's just miscarried, hasn't she? In the, yeah, in the book, I yeah. think and she's yeah. in the sea of the sea of grass or whatever it was yeah, the yeah. Tea, isn't it and yeah. um uh but you know it just sort of like it, it's sort of it's like you're it was just so annoying <laughs> that it's like you know yeah. you had this sort of thing there's a lot there's a lot still to go on um there's yeah. so a lot of things i don't even think they've got the basic where little finger is taking sansa um to i think they've just they've, they've just pushed um, lady, uh, yes, Eric the, off the, the moon, in the moon gate. Um, yeah, and sort of. Yeah. So th- I think they were going up north. So the yeah. whole stuff with um, you know, with um, what's his name, uh, the Bol- the Ramsey Bolton and Which stuff probably won't happen because yeah. in the in the books, it's, the... Woman, it's another woman, isn't it? It's Penny or 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 yeah or something because yeah, it's it's... or. But also, you've got the the whole the. Stannis Baratheon, his his uh, invasion of Winterfell is actually going much better than it did. Yeah. In the, see, my, the hill I will die on, and I will die on this hill, is that he would never have burned his daughter. Oh, yeah. I would die on that hill. Mm. He would... It just doesn't make sense for his character. Yeah, he he's he's a very he's a very Edward Stark kind of character. You know, honor yeah. is very much a part of his thing. And I, I don't think thing. he doesn't even want to be king. He only wants to be king because it's the right thing because yeah. that's the the way that the law of the land. Like he's he's he's. He's rigid to a fault in that sense, but he's not. He he doesn't actually when you when you read the book particularly, but even in the show, he doesn't really believe in the Lord of Light and all of that. He's just mm. doing it as a means to an end. But he, I think in the book, there's a few times when Melisandre is like, "Oh yeah, let's burn someone." He's like, "We're not burning people. Stop that." <laughs> <laughs> like, why would he burn his daughter if she won't even let her burn a stranger? Nah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we, we never find out what is Melisandre's deal, other than. Yeah, stuff for the Lord of Light, which feels <laughs> she's been around for a long time. And yeah, there's just like I said, yeah. you know, and Moldy, 
welcome long time no see sir he says it was too rushed needed another series um but yeah it Moldy was my nickname at school. Really? Okay. <laughs> my, surname, my, my surname was Mold before I got married. So, oh, okay. yeah. Uh, maybe a distant relative of mine. Uh, Chris Mold is his name. He may, oh, may, Chris Mold. Chris Mold. Could, we could be related. It could be related. Who knows? Um, but um, yeah, just even I think two books they're going to struggle because even yeah. like Ari, yeah. Arya's sort of, I don't even, uh, you know, the. Um, oh, yeah, because she's with the faceless man, isn't yeah, she? Yeah, so, point? you know, there's lots yeah. of stuff for them to get through. And you know, don't, bearing in mind, he goes through a lot of different uh, points of view and stuff. Yeah. You're, you know, it's going to be. I think it's going to be quite hard for him to even to get yeah. in two books and stuff. So because it is, and there's really... whole extra arcs in the books as well that weren't yeah. even in the show that, yeah. that need tying up. You know, yeah. Lady Stoneheart and all oh, of yeah, that. Oh yeah, Lady Stoneheart. That I'm kind of a part of me is Why kind of glad. She in it? Kind of glad they didn't do it, I guess, because it's sort yeah, of they would have messed it up. They messed it up. Um, <laughs> yeah. And you know, it's, I thought oh, that's right because you don't sort of. I think in the books, Jamie is hung, isn't he? Yeah. Okay. Um, Jamie's hung because he's sort of because she, she Lady Stoneheart is with the band. She captures uh, him, doesn't she? With the um, the brothers without banners or the yes. and and basically, I think Gendry's there, and yep. I think one of the last things you see with. Um, Jamie, is he's being hung, or is it Bri? Is it Brienne who's hung? Brienne, it's Brienne. It's Brienne who's yeah. hung. Brienne. Yeah, Brienne's hung. Yeah, yeah Jamie, sorry. Jamie's with the the fishy people. What are they? The Tullys. Ah, uh, yes, yeah, yeah. Yes, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So yes, yeah, Brienne. So she gets, uh, she gets, she's getting hung, isn't she? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's, yes, yeah. she is because of her association with. Yeah. With oh him. no, and that's right. She broke her oath because she said she was going to protect. That's it. She was going to protect. Yeah. Uh, and then obviously Lady Stoneheart, aka Catelyn yes. Stark, um, basically says, you know, you you broke your oath, and so yeah. she hangs her, um, and you don't know if she's dead or not and stuff. So yeah. it's um, yeah. yeah. that stuff like that. There is a really good sort this of. This is why I do want the book because I do kind of want to see if he goes in a different direction, if it would be more satisfying. And well, I think now he what? has to, doesn't he? Because yeah. He had- there's no you way know. he can sort of, you know, go at the ending that has. I think if he goes for an ending, I think he'll go for a gotcha sort of yeah. thing. And I hope King he does. Yeah. Well, I don't even, not even that. Like, and I, I've, I say this all the time whenever I talk about my, my Game of Thrones theories and stuff. And I did sort of like a video on it, but it's like Littlefinger on the throne. At no, the I, end says, I still say it's going to be Sirio Pharrell. Comes out at the end. Sirio, yeah. <laughs> but do, you know, do you know what I want more than anything? King Davos. King Davos Seaworth. Okay. Yeah, he'd be good. The Onion Knight. The Onion Knight. The Onion King. I think he deserves it. That's what I would like. But that's just that's more wishful thinking than what I think will happen. I the thing is, I don't know. Like, I'm not sure. What age is he now? What age is Martin now? Uh, um, He's knocking on. Yeah, yeah, I don't think you think it's taken him ten years, and you know maybe he's at the tail end of Winds of Winter now. Another ten years, you know. What is this? Is why we write fan fiction. Yeah, so let's see. <laughs> well, one thing J. Michael Straczynski did when he was uh, creating Babylon 5 back in the 90s was he actually had a in a locked safe at the entire breakdown of what was going to happen for, for the uh, for the five season arc. And just in case he didn't make it. He's... I do believe George R. R. Martin is not a planner, though. I do believe oh, he's yeah. a I don't I think, think he is. I think, and which I sympathise with because I'm not as well, but I think he is one of those who makes it up as he goes along. So yeah, I, whether I he even he... has that, I don't know. Yeah. He's 73 now. 
Seventy-three. Okay, so he's not like old, old, but he's certainly not yeah. a spring chicken either. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and let's just say he's not. Let's say he's not in shape. He's not sort of like no, I don't think he's yeah. looking after himself. So with all due so another ten years, you know, it's just like, is he going to make it to the to the end yeah, of the book yeah. and stuff? Do I'm you like, remember um, these TV Oscars uh, a few years ago when uh, Weida Yankovic uh, did a presentation? Well, did part of the presentation and sang uh, a series of theme tunes, including Game of Thrones, which was basically. Um, George, write, write as fast as you can. We need more scripts. <laughs> <laughs> and the boy, were you right? I'd be oh, interested to see what happens. Always with, profit. You've got the yeah. new, the new series, don't you? The prequel, the prequel stuff. The um, uh, yeah, the egg and Duncan egg. No, it? well, it, yeah, that that is coming up. That, but you've they, got but... the um, the the um, the Targaryen series. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. but I really think that last season of Game of Thrones killed any interest in the whole setting yeah well they've done themselves a massive mischief though there and that's you know we've talked about this numerous times and stuff but it's like that series had the potential to be a a talking point for you know forever um and the only reason it's a talking point is because how bad it was not because of something epic that happened and stuff it's just like you think it's weird that it just dropped out of public consciousness as well like i think it was so disastrous that it just it kind of stopped existing yeah it did it did it did and it it, it wasn't even so bad that you received that people keep i mean obviously we're talking about it but you generally don't see people talking about it anymore it's just like let's just collectively forget that that ever happened yeah it was, there was no oh, i remember that series not happened it was just like yeah, you know like some, talk about some it. people thought it was okay but i think that was it some people liked it but it, there was no sort of like you know no one went to bat for it though nobody yeah. was like actually i think it was superb like you know and, and absolutely if people liked it that's totally cool you know i think people they are just as valid as everybody else but you didn't see anybody turn around and go well i think it was a triumph i no. think it, you know at no. best people were like yeah it was all right yeah, watchable and stuff. Like I watched it and I didn't I didn't hate hate it. It's just sort of it was just annoying because it, yeah. it, it, the potential was completely yeah. squandered yeah. and all they yeah. needed to do was just not rush it and just sort of yeah. give it a bit more time and I know they sort of money it was an expensive series and things like that but they could have had something really special and they just yeah. they yeah. fucked it basically. Well, compare that with um the expanse mm. which ex- ended excellently yeah yet left it tied up all the current plot threads but still left open a lot of plot to be um explored at another time yeah. that was how you ended a series brilliantly yeah yeah i do enjoy was... series that don't feel like they have to even even in the finale that don't feel like they have to type everything like yeah. obviously you want the major plot points uh resolved but I don't think there's anything wrong with having loose ends left at the end of a series. I think that's not a bad thing, as long as they're not, you know, hugely plot significant ones, if that makes sense. Like, you know. You could argue that happened with the final season of Expanse without going into too much details because it is quite recent. There was that element there that some certain. It was slightly rushed. It was slightly rushed. It wasn't, it wasn't badly done, but six episodes and basically that was all they were given unfortunately yeah. yeah that's the thing isn't it like sometimes it's not down to whether i'm sure the writers would love to have done more but yeah they, they had they filmed a lot have. more but just couldn't fit in now conversely um the writers of 
uh, Game of Thrones, they said they could have had more, but they said, no, we just want to do this fan season, that's it, done. And the um, history really was going, no, you can have as much as you want, you know, two, three seasons, how many more do you want? No, just one, thank you, six episodes. Yeah, and, and it really uh, felt, because especially considering all the other seasons have been ten episodes. Exactly, yeah. So, oh, I just, it really did feel like they were like, I can't be asked with this anymore. That's that's kind of the, the dominant impression I got with it was well, can't be asked this now. They had other contracts coming up, as I understand. Yeah. It's just the Star Wars films and everything. So, yeah, let's move on to that then. And thanks, guys. Yeah, really, I, thanks. This, you know, I, 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 it's like personally, I think that that, that just damaged their credibility as sort of directors yeah. and things like that. Yeah. And it's just like, fortunately, yeah, I think it's proven that they are fantastic at, at adapting existing yes. pieces of work. Yes. But they do not, they struggle with creating something new, to put it diplomatically. Yeah, especially something, you know, something that complicated. Um, Yeah, and it is complicated. You know, you've got to be fair to, uh, if uh, as fair as I possibly can to them, it's not an easy thing to write. No, no. yeah. And, and I think and then know your limits. <laughs> I well, wouldn't try and write it. I'd suck. Yeah, no, that's it. And it's sort of, I I know it's, I think it's, I think it's, hard to finish anything off without it being slightly disappointing because there's obviously people's uh sort of yeah. preconceptions of how things should be yeah. um but it, they just didn't try with it and stuff so i understand you know yeah. they were never going to get it perfectly right but no you, no no you can't please all the people can well, you they got like, it perfectly wrong yeah and I, one it, of the it, examples that i always give with this is so Stephen King's Dark Tower series, which is a similarly yeah. kind of epic thing. Now, I absolutely loved the ending. I know people who absolutely hated the ending, but you felt something either way. Now, you know going in that you're not... When you finish an epic series like that, you're going to piss people off with whatever you decide to do, right? Because you can't please everybody. But I feel like you're doing it right if 50% of the people loved it and 50% of the people hated it. You've evoked a feeling, right? Yeah. So... In my opinion, he stuck that landing. Whether you thought it was good or whether you thought it was bad, he stuck it. The problem is when people are like, eh, uh, that's a bad ending. You know, yeah, when people, you, the most you can muster is kind of, eh. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. mean, wh- when I'm reviewing a book or whatever, the worst I can feel is like, yeah, it's all right. Because then I don't have the passion there. If there's something bad, I can write, well, well okay, this was bad because I thought this mm. and because I thought, you know, it didn't work for me, and this is why it didn't work for me. Yeah. Equally, it sounds great, but this is really, really good. Like with uh, The Matrix uh, Resurrection, like, mm-hmm. this is really good, this is why I liked it, I really like these elements in it, it really worked for me, it really spoke to me. But if it had been a bit bland, it would have been, yeah, it was okay. But, Dabbing with faint praise, isn't it? Yeah. Exactly. It's yeah, You need some passion there, yeah. you need to, and you need to feel the passion. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Mm, yeah. yeah. I think I think I don't think I'm ever gonna sort of forgive them for the <laughs> It's sort of it's one of those things. It's just I like I do think that's why it just faded. It's just faded away because everybody feels the same way, and it was just that sense of vague disappointment, which is a terrible, terrible legacy for something. Mm. Just no, a sense of dissatisfaction. The one thing was so like I loved, you know, I I just loved that whole thing of I'd read the books and people who hadn't read the books were sort of watching the series and stuff, and I kind of knew what was going on, and I just yeah. loved their faces when things happened and sort of kind of like you know just the whole sort of kind the of joy of the red wedding and yeah, knowing it, oh, month, mate, it was yeah. gonna happen absolutely oh. it was just yeah. sort of like i remember uh there's a guy called gears and he used to work with me and um like i'd read i'd read them 
and I've been absolutely disgusted when the red wedding happened. And I had to sit there for like five, like five years or something. I don't, I can't even remember how long. It was a long time, basically, <laughs> yeah, was, with this was. thing sort of happening. And um, I was. You know, and I remember him coming up and going, "Oh, my mate, from Wigan," and he's like, "Oh, my mate, um, you know, I love that, I love, I love that Rob Stark, and he's so good." And he's just oh, like, no. "You know, I love this." And he's sort of kind of banging on about him, and I'm just like, "Oh man, you have no idea what's about to happen here, do you?" Yeah. And then he came in the day, the day after the red wedding, was like. Mom, nobody's safe. Nobody's safe. Nobody's you know, safe. I was just like, at least we still got John Snow. And I was just oh, like, God. oh no. <laughs> this was me and the expanse because I'd read some of the books before the filming yeah. had started. And people going up to me for the first year, so it's a bit slow. Nothing much is happening. Like, just give it time. Just give it time. time. Yeah. And then CQ, the episode CQB happens, which has to be one of the best starship battles that oh, I've ever wow. seen. The expanse is just so good and they're just like so oh <laughs> yeah like i did the expanse was something that i refused to watch simply because it was on sci-fi originally <laughs> and people were i was just like i'm not watching anything from sci-fi they do sharknado and stuff and i thought it was just going yeah, to be yeah, super yeah. naff like i just was like i don't even waste my time with 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 that and stuff and then everybody, you know, was banging on about it. All my friends were saying, and Pete was talking about it, um, you know, Mark and stuff. And they're all going, you should need to watch this. And I went, all right, fine, I'll give it a go. And thankfully, I think it was, it was, it just got onto Amazon. It was on season yeah. five or something. And I was able to literally, and I literally just binged it. And I went, oh my God, that is some of the best sci-fi I have seen in years uh, it's so so good like some of the space battles and stuff and the fact that you've got all the sort of kind of the the science behind it like you know that when they they go back to a planet when they're sort of kind of you know going to go orbit into a planet they they reverse in because they have to obviously the entropy and stuff and they have to sort of you know um use their their boosters to sort of kind of stop them from you know, moving forward and stuff. Yeah. And it's just like... Yeah, breaking maneuvers with sort of... Yeah, and it's just sort of... It's you know, so good. Like, it just, like, amazing. And, it, you know, it ended... Not, you know, it was slightly disappoint Not disappointing, but it was it was, it was too quick. It ended too quickly. Uh, and it, they could have really sort of done a bit more to it. But it was so good. So good. Yeah, that was due to studio demands rather than writers' demands, unfortunately. They said, right, you've got to stick it to that. Uh, this number of yeah. episodes and this season, like, oh... So they did drop a lot, a yeah. lot of material that they wanted to include, unfortunately. But there is open potential possibility maybe could be having a trilogy of films afterwards. Maybe. Well, they're really what sort of kind of, you're bringing that, what was it? Um, who we had him on a podcast. Uh, God, Powell, Gareth Powell, was it Gareth Powell? Gar- Gareth Powell. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah, yeah. I think he's got his, his is, um, he's got some of his stuff going to be made into. Yeah, fleet of knives. Yes, yeah, yes. yeah. Um, um. So there's, you know, I think they're sort of buying into this sort of. I really hope they give the first law trilogy the uh, Joe Abercrombie if they make they make a series out of that or something because that would be awesome. That would be so good because it's really really good. It's sort of Game of Thrones esque. Um, I would, if you look at the Game of Thrones stories, I would recommend the, uh, Robin Hobbs, Elderlings, Realm of the Elderlings books. Okay. So you've got the, the uh, Farsia trilogy and so on. Because, yeah, they are just great. Yeah. There's loads and there's loads of stuff that I think they could they could easily put into sort of kind of series or, or sort of, you know, a trilogy of films and stuff. Um, 
and don't, but, uh, you know, who knows? I would love to see um, the laundry files by Charlie Stross as well. I'd like to see um, the the Red Rising. Well, it's, it's not a trilogy anymore. There's, 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 on the, he's on a sixth book. Um, I can't remember. Oh, God, what's his name? Uh, what's the, who's the writer? Uh, oh, God. I know. One minute. Red Rising. Pierce. Uh, Red Rising. Um, Red Rising. Ah, Pierce Brown. Yeah, that's up. Pierce Brown. Um, so yeah, that's that's really really good. Sort of kind of sci-fi. Sort of sci-fi. Meet. It starts off kind of being very sort of Hunger Games ish, which is weird. But it's like, but it evolves over time. You can tell. Sort of he's evolving with his sort of the way the writing goes, and they got some so. Like battle scenes and sort of well scenes that this the way he describes things going on and the whole sort of class system within, um you know the um, uh the Martian sort of class system and stuff and it's just like so so good and I think that would be an awesome series. Yeah. One thing I want to ask is, what does everyone think of the the Rings of Power series on coming on Amazon Prime? I hope it's going to be good. I hope it's going to be good. I really hope it's going to be good. Yeah, I'll be very upset if it's not. <laughs> I'm going to be very upset if it's not. It's your I it's not my genre, so I don't really know oh. much about it. But I, everybody I know who is into it has said exactly the same thing. I hope it's good. <laughs> That's dominant. Uh, what, what is your genre? What would your um, choice then? I like sci-fi, but I tend towards. I usually tend away from spaceship stuff. My other half is a huge spaceship, so I'm like he's a huge fan of the Expanse. I know he loves that. Um, Horror, weird. Uh, I'm, I'm an anime nerd mostly. Um, <laughs> Admittedly, I'm mostly an anime what, nerd. You, have you watched any of the Patlaba? Yeah, Pat, like, I used to watch Patlaba. That was a classic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was a, a live action Patlaba as well. There was. I've never seen the live action one, but live action anime is hit and miss. Yeah. Some of it's really good, some of it's not so good at all. Well, they did the Cowboy, yeah. they did Cowboy Bebop, didn't they? On. Oh, never. I, I haven't watched it. Not uh, to watch. Don't watch it. No, no, oh, no. Dear. Watch the original. I see. I'm biased because Cowboy Bebop was kind of my gateway drug to anime as yeah. a, as a, as a youngun, and it still. I mean, I, I've watched it again recently, and it holds up. In my opinion, it holds up beautifully. But they just kind of stripped it of all of the soul. Like, they took the aesthetics of it. It looked great, but all of the soul of the series, there's just none of it. It was just a series of really kind of hollow jokes and aesthetics and it had yeah. none of the soul of it yeah i watched the tra- a trailer for it where they're kind of like um doing tricks with the um split screen and it just felt hyper stylized but yeah no that's, substance that's exactly what i thought it was style without substance it looked superb like beautifully cut beautifully filmed yeah. that was it though like they didn't really get the essence of the characters. They didn't get the essence of the the whole thing. Is they're kind of like a really dysfunctional family, you know? It was kind of like Firefly before Firefly. I think yeah. it was before Firefly. I want to say it was before Firefly. Yeah, it was. But, um, yeah. yeah, it was of that kind of you know a bunch of misfits who find each other and find this kind of you know strained familial relationship, and they just wasn't present. I just oh no, bad times, bad times. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Not for me. Yeah. Yeah, mm. the, the I say this, I don't like spaceship stuff. Look at like Cowboy Bebop is spaceship stuff, so I'm yeah. obviously a liar. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think one of the first live action um, mangas was Body Hammer. Tetsuo. Tetsuo. Iron Man, yeah. Iron Man. I watched that in black and white and was really weird. 
Well, they had a live action. Was play. it Ga- was it Giver? I think Giver was. Oh, Giver was. They had live yeah. action. They had live action Giver films, um, which I quite enjoyed. They were really brutal, to be honest. Uh, if you watched that's them, like, that's manga for you to be fair. Yeah, yeah, pretty, yeah, pretty brutal. I tend to find that the Japanese adaptations of manga are better than the Western ones. But when the, when we try and adapt it in the West, we just don't. We just don't get it. I think we just yeah. don't get what manga is about we westernize it to the point where it just it isn't what it's meant well, to be it's anymore different, it's completely different culture outlooks to be yeah there. yeah yeah you're totally totally yeah it is and uh i just think yeah it's it's because i can't believe it was just i, I kind of knew it wasn't going to be good but i didn't realize it was going to be that bad <laughs> yeah and are you still doing your phd in i am manga? Oh, nice. I am still doing my PhD. I actually just had a meeting with, with my supervisor last week, uh, and I'm doing uh, hauntology, which is Jacques Derrida. It's, you know, obscure French philosophy, but it's more or less his idea that we're kind of haunted by the ghosts of lost futures, you know, futures that never came to be, and that uh, the ghost recurs because it has a message for us, and we owe it to listen to the ghost. You know, it's, it's of that kind of philosophy, but he it was all about Marxism and all that sort of thing. So you've got to dig through lots of obscure French philosophy to get to it. And my kind of thesis is that post-war, post-millennial Japanese horror has a strand of this running through it. Um, inherent as well. And I'm kind of going back to folklore and I'm going back to classical yeah. literature and the classical representation of the ghost, the yurei, the onryo. You know, Sadako in The Ring, is is she's a classic onryo, the way that she looks, the way that she acts. She's a... she she is plucked from classical Japanese folklore and classical Japanese literature. So that's kind of where I'm going with it. But it's a cool thing to be able to study. It is a cool thing to be able to go, yeah, I'm just going to look at some manga now. <laughs> but I have to, <laughs> to get there. So, you know. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so, so manga horror would be a fair assessment of your particular taste? Probably, yeah. But, I mean, when it comes to manga, I like a lot of different things. The one I watched recently is called... Uh, what's it? Or some around, ranking of kings ranking of yeah. kings actually i would recommend that to anybody who enjoyed game of thrones because <laughs> you go into it thinking oh this is a cute little thing about this adorable little prince guy and then it just goes like full game of thrones you know politics and horrible things happen and it's really brutal but it's really good ranking of kings is it's not what i expected it to be at all and that's fantasy that's pure yeah. fantasy so i think when it comes to manga i'm a lot more open to genre right. uh, to anime i'm more open to genre than i am maybe maybe the, with the western stuff i tend to be more rigid and that's probably a fault on my part i probably should be a bit more open but i could never sort of um get my head around manga and stuff to be honest and like i know a lot of people really sort of kind of super obsessed with it but it never sort of kind of sort of ticked many boxes for me and stuff i don't know that's why. fair enough it is i think it's very i think it's very love or hate i mean you know there is a variety of anime and manga it is there are different kinds, but I do think it is something that you either you either just click or you don't, and that's fine. There's nothing you know, wrong like, with that. You know, like we were talking about transformers and stuff. You know that you know that's all sort of kind of comes from um, yeah. you know it, it, it's it's yeah, and yeah. anime and stuff. So like you know, it, you know, like growing that. up that was that sort of thing. But it's just sort of there's some of it is like I've got friends. He's really into um, oh. One Piece, isn't it? Is it One Piece? Oh, One Piece, yeah. yeah. And he said he was trying to he was trying to sort of try and describe it to me um the other day and I'm just like eh? <laughs> I don't understand. I think people who watch One Piece don't understand One Piece. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, there's a thousand episodes. Yeah. Like I don't think you can really sustain it. Uh, oh, I'm gonna get a load of angry One Piece fans. I mean, I enjoy it. I enjoy One Piece. I, I can't say I 
particularly understand what's going yeah. on, but I enjoy I, it. I think that was what's me off uh, manga to an extent is because there's so many episodes of it. Like, yeah. like Death Note is a fantastic idea. There's a but, lot of it, though, isn't there? But yeah. there's a lot of it, and I think to its detriment. Yeah, that's why I would recommend things like, I think Cowboy Bebop is brilliant because it's too self-contained. Anything, so the guy who did Cowboy Bebop is called Shinichiro Watanabe, and anything that he has ever done has always been good because he tends to limit it to two series only. Yeah. And he writes a tight arc across two series. It's got a beginning, a middle, and an end. It's quite episodic in nature, so you've got other things happening in the background. He also wrote one called Space Dandy, which again is a spaceship one, which is a, uh, mostly a comedy, and it is really enjoyable. It's really fun, just silliness in space. Uh um but yeah i think that it can you're right it can go on for too long it's the thing is like you've got to remember they're, they're serialized weekly most mangas yeah. and most animes come from mangas so if it's doing well they just squeeze out as many ep- episodes as they can and you know it tends to get a bit unwieldy at times but yeah. i found that with attack and titan as well like you know, it's, mm. again a fantastic idea of brilliant executed but just one season was about 20 stories not 20 yeah. episodes and it was just like no you could have told this in 10 yeah, Maybe. yeah, yeah. But again, it looked fantastic and had some brilliant ideas. And like, oh, that guy can turn Titan. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a, I think a lot of this is to do with particular types of anime have really long fight scenes. Yeah, they make up a good three quarters of an episode. Not all anime are like that, but some of them are. Yeah. And Attack on Titan is very much a an action heavy it's a, a war film to me it, was a, a it, it is more or less yeah, it, yeah. Is, it, is, it is about war i mean you know i've read it through to the end and the ending of it was uh yeah very very flagrantly a war narrative yeah very much so yeah also one thing i watched as well was um cyber city of weirdo 88 oh i haven't seen that one that sounds good though um three parts basically the old type premises like it's all like this near future tokyo and these three convicts with like centuries on their prison time and they have to basically to kind of work off their time they kind of take on like very dangerous missions for the police and they got when these exploding cars around the next so if they don't do it in a certain time boom ah, if they disobey an order boom if they like if they do something that the organizers like boom they try to remove it boom um, and yeah, it's just, I think that was my first exposure to anime, manga and anime because I was watching it Channel 4 late at yeah, night. Yeah, yeah, they used to do that. Yeah, I loved that. They used to, Channel 4 and also Cartoon Network had, had Toonami, and that was where they had a lot of yeah. it. was either one or the other. You used did they, to get. Did it, was it um, Channel 4, did they have Ghost in the Shell or was that MTV yeah. that had yeah. Ghost in the Shell? MTV, yeah, Ghost in the Shell. That, again, that was my first time I saw it, heavily cut, as, yeah. as was Akira as well. To, Yes, to the point both, of being unable to follow. Both superb um, yeah. films, though. They really are both. Yeah, but like it's one of the things like with it's so cut down in the films that like, you have to read the manga to follow Kira, especially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like, yeah, like, like, where's that kid? What's that kid do? What? what, what <laughs> what's going on? Up to a certain point, there is an element of kind of you just have to let it, just let it exactly go. Just yeah. accept things, you know, don't question too much. A lot of it is is about, you know, it's a different kind of storytelling as well. The other thing, you know, um, a lot you're of the not, time, you're not meant to understand it in a sense, are you? Some of it, yeah. And I think so. This is an interesting, coming, you know, bring it back to games writing because, um, my, my boss and I kind of had a discussion when we were writing this game about how much you want to give the player and how much you don't. And I, we both agree 
we don't enjoy spoon-fed narratives when it comes to law. Yeah. We don't enjoy... This is controversial, but both of us are not massive Lord of the Rings fans. <gasps> and the reason why is because gotcha. we feel like... I, I feel like you're a tourist in Tolkien. Well, which some people really enjoy that, but I don't necessarily enjoy being given encyclopedic law you know i like to learn as i go along and i like to have gaps as well like i don't think you need to know everything about a world and that was i'm glad that we kind of had that agreement me and my boss when we were writing it going okay we don't have, you know when we're talking about writing law and stuff like that we need to know but the player doesn't you know yeah. there's all right because you think he's got he's because he's literally gone balls deep with everything and he, he, you literally got family trees and history yeah and yeah, stuff yeah. And I know, some people love that i'm sure but for me it felt like it feel, just feel a little bit like sitting through somebody's kind of holiday you know yeah. slideshow of photos <laughs> but having, but having that law like you know for yourselves will inform yeah. the writing and development of this world won't it totally it absolutely will and it's it, and it really is down to sort of how much do we want to give how much how much do people need to know it is need to know i think the way that you know there are yeah. some things that are fun to know as well but it is very much a we don't want this to be an exhaustive everything has to make sense here is the here is all the politics here is all the family trees here is all the how we got here you know so, so up to up to a point that has to be just uh, you just have to accept that this is the world <laughs> and that yeah. you are in it and mm. you know you have to just just roll with it just yeah. roll with it that's where you can have like like collectible foundables in the games where you, which that's kind of gives and exactly. so i mean when i'm playing a game i just kind of yeah got that the vital information will be kind of you know explained to me in the background in the environment yeah. but I, I don't want to read pages and pages of kind of background of yeah. who's the second cousin of the twice removed firstborn yeah. king i i have sorry no go go ahead go ahead I, um i i'm i like i like story driven games but yeah. i hate reading lots of reams of storyline in yeah. games and stuff i completely See, that's you know, what we were trying to avoid and yeah. our touchstone for it was i don't know if you've played bioshock Yes. yes. Um, in Bioshock, you've got these really nice, snappy audio logs that you pick up. Yeah. And they give just enough background story about things that have happened in the world for you to get a flavour of the kind of world that you're in. But they don't go on forever and they don't exhaust you. It's just snapshots. And that's kind of where we were. We were kind of like, we want to give snapshots of the world and snapshots of background law and snapshots of background information, but brief so that you can kind of Look at them. To, if, you know, if you're a completionist, you can put them all side by side and you can work out how they all interact. And that's fine. But you can also just take them at face value and, you know, learn as much or as little as you want from them. And that was kind of our decision in, in how we would attack, attack law, basically, and how we would do it. And that's how I like that's how I like my law as well. You know, I don't want to have to sit and read through a 200 yes. page vestry. You give them sort of windows into the life. Yeah. Yeah. A flavor that was what we were kind of going yeah. like you just get a taste of the world and then you can kind of build your own conclusions from it okay. so what's the score then so um if you know you said your contract's up uh at the end of the month mm-hmm. uh and i basically i am assuming that contract gets extended on it depending on how well the game how well the i think de- i think it all depends on budget and stuff like that i mean you know the vagaries of, of being a games contractor is you know does the game studio have the budget to keep you on you know yeah. i hope i get kept on if i don't we'll see what happens i might end up in a different profession who knows but you, um, it's been a blast you, either way would you sort of look to sort of go and try another company or, or try something is, is it something that you've you you've 
you've, you think, right, I really enjoy this. This is something yeah. I kind of want to carry on doing. Yeah, I've got a taste for it now. It's definitely, I, when you put it in this way like you when you've done i've done kind of like normie jobs i suppose for one of a for one of a different word and and like i've ended up in this job and i'm like wow this is this is this is how the world can be <laughs> this is yeah. this is you know i've opened my eyes to something that i never thought i would end up doing i never thought i would find a way into and i have now and i've got my foot in the door and as much as i would dearly love to keep working for this company in particular if the stars don't align i i would you know i would like look to to maybe try somewhere else or something similar yeah, it's, a, yeah. it's a it's a great profession it's great. i mean i love yeah. games i love writing it's kind of the dream you know if i if, if i've got to end up working back in a lab i'll do it but <laughs> uh, my um my friend um you know the game star citizen um oh, yes. They, yes. They, yes. they ever they, they have the saga that it is uh the star citizen um my my one of my best mates his wife um is the hr uh is in charge of hr for her oh, cloud wow. cool. games cool. and she like she has zero interest in games like she's just yeah. she just got, got she just went for an interview at this company in Wilmslow and and went and they were like, Yeah, we're a gaming company. Oh, okay, cool. And she's like turned around to my mates and went, you know, do you know these these people? He's like, What? Really? <laughs> so like and the thing is, like, they invited her to some like drinks thing and yeah. she's they said, you know, oh you can bring somebody with you. And my my mate sort of he's not massively into that sort of game and stuff so she's like oh, i'll just i'll invite i'll invite matt and then he found out there was going to be free drinks and stuff so he got blocked me <laughs> i was like oh your missus was going to invite me and apparently they give away really cool gifts like they have like star systems and glass sort of kind of that's things awesome. and stuff and i was like oh i could have gone and he's just like no yeah. no we're getting free drinks i'm going now. free drinks like, yeah <laughs> no <laughs> i found out recently one of the school mums uh, used to do all the HR for Tomb Raider. That's very cool. Now, finally, she has no interest in gaming. I only found yeah. out, like, I saw, like, I saw their name come up on this sort of Tomb Raider themed event in uh, Central Derby. Like, hang on, what, what's she doing there? And then so I Googled the name and did a bit of research. Oh. So I turned to, why didn't you tell me you knew about Tomb Raider? He says, oh, I just don't care. I don't like gaming. Like, Okay, <laughs> you've, got to have, you've got to have normie people to keep yeah. all everything running. Basically, if geeks ran everything, we'd never get anything done. You need you need normal, sensible people to keep us that's all. Actually, that's, so that's actually true because one of my friends has been recently employed by this company to act as a go-between between the salespeople and the tech team. Yeah, to basically act as a translator for both. Yeah, of them. yeah. You really do need that. You really do need a, a, a normal, sensible contingent to keep the rest of us dreamers <laughs> yeah. in check. <laughs> and God bless them. <laughs> yeah, that's true, actually. Oh, amazing, amazing. Um, so have you got anything else? Uh, you're writing and stuff. Have you got anything coming up? or? Uh, I've got. Uh, we just had a short story announced Ooh. for uh, a publication called uh, Close to Midnight. Which is Flame Tree Press. It's Mark Morris's uh, anthology. He's do he does a yearly anthology of uh, it's just like a general horror weird fiction thing. That's coming up towards the middle of the year, and my story is called The Spaceman's Memory Box. Oh, it's nice. about spacemen in council flats. So okay. yeah, <laughs> that's the first thing I've written in a long time. Actually, the thing is, you know, doing a PhD and being a games writer kind of that's the only downside of it is it doesn't leave you with as much time to yeah. be creative. But um, yeah, I missed it. I missed the writing stories. I'm definitely going to be trying to write a few more this year it's uh just finding the time 
Yeah. Well, if I, well, if I end up without a job, I'll have plenty of time. Won't yes. I? <laughs> yes, 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 you will. Um, yeah, I, um, I've, got, I've got so much. I've got a massive backlog of things to do and stuff. Um, I, the one thing I've started doing is like for so, um, like I, I, I like painting miniatures and and sort of things like that. And uh, I haven't. I've got had this huge sort of kind of stress about not doing enough of that but i've got sort of i do a sort of another podcast with a mate called the hobby hoarders podcast and stuff and it's literally just about sort of painting and things like that and um he, we have a challenge now where we literally he, he basically goes right you're going to paint this and i'm going to paint this and then we sort of challenge each other so i forces me to do something yeah. all the time so I've, if i'm regimented then I, I i get things done but it's just like yeah, I'm the same. so much stuff I, I need a normie person. I actually I need to get my husband in on this. I need to, well, he's not normie, he's a geek. That's the problem. I need, <laughs> I need a normie secretary to help me help me keep on track with everything because yeah. I will just sit there and daydream otherwise. I do. I you, get, a, you, you procrastinate as well. So I've got yeah. so many things. Like, Even got, though you love doing something, do yeah. you find that? Like, it's something you love doing and you sit down and go, I'm going to do this thing that I love and you don't do it. Yeah, and it's, I do it all the time because <laughs> it, gets, it gets to the point where I've like, right, so t- today I could uh, paint the rest of the dragon I'm doing or I could um, do some D&D stuff that I need to do or I could... Um, I could sort of do this while I could play my guitar. I could do all this stuff. And then I get to this point where I've got all these things that I could do. And then I just sit there and I watch something naff on TV. Yeah. You just, just get overwhelmed by choice, don't yeah. you? A little bit. Like yeah. I could do, I could do all of this stuff. So I'm going to do none of it. Yeah, exactly. I'm the same. I'm the same. Yeah. yeah. And just like, Oh my God. And then you feel really annoyed at yourself because you haven't done anything. Like oh, today I was quite impressed with myself because I did some laundry and I cleaned up a bit and did something a bit more productive and stuff. And it's just like, you know, all the other things like I've got a, um, I've got a Lego Death Star over there, which I've had for years unmade, and I keep on telling myself I'm going to do this. I'm going to make just this send thing. it to me, man. Like, <laughs> I'm going to stream. I'm going to make it, and I'm just like, and I haven't done it yet, and it annoys me. It sits yeah. there and it mocks me every time I look at it, and it's just like, you know, and I'm just like, oh, God, I, I need to do this. And it's the scale just... of the task as well, because I yeah. bet a Lego Death. Star. I made a Lego Millennium Falcon with my other half, and that was a big task. So oh yeah, I like I, I've got I've got one, and that took me easily sort of two or three days. To yeah. Do. I bet a Death Star would take even longer. Yeah, I'm just like, yeah. oh, it's so long. But it's just like... I mean, yeah, I mean, I've been, I've, I've been doing the 7K. I've had the 7K I've had to do for an academic journal for months now. And literally the deadline is a week on Friday. And I've only just started it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like my dissertation. I had, when I did my dissertation in work, uh, in work in for uni, um... <laughs> we had a, like a year to yeah. prepare for it and stuff. I did it in three days because, yeah. you know, I was more interested in drinking and going out in Manchester and like, I didn't need to do this. So I like spent three days um, <laughs> trying to jam all this stuff, doing, four, you know, 15,000 words and stuff. And I was just like, oh, it was horrible. Obviously I don't horrible. even want to tell you how I'm managing my PhD. You know, it's how many, how, what's the, have you got like a word limit or? No, not necessarily. No, it's sort of a, because it's, it's a long project. I mean, I'm, two years into a part-time PhD which is going to be anywhere between five and seven years uh and it's just kind of a you just I think you have x amount of chapters I think the PhD is on average five to seven chapters something along those lines depending on what you're doing so it's going to be around a hundred thousand words by the time you're done whoa but that is over years you know you're not doing yeah. that like a dissertation I know you're sitting there ideally you do it in 
a space of a few months if you like us you yeah. do it in a few days but uh <laughs> but yeah phds there's a reason it takes as long as it yes. does <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Uh, but i will probably cram it all into the last year <laughs> <laughs> i have so much respect for people who can go on to that and stuff like i got to i i, I moved on to a master's um and then realized that I wanted to be a rock and roll star and didn't really want to do that anymore. So I stopped yeah. halfway through and then just worked in a box factory and thought I was going to be a bloody rock star. And I was just like, my dad at the time was just like, knew it was going to happen. He told me beforehand, he says, like, you know, you're not going to finish this. I'm, I'm definitely, I'm definitely going to finish this. And then no, I just got you know blown away it's like i'm playing guitar yeah. my band's gonna do this we're gonna be famous we're gonna we're, we're gonna be super rich and i was like no that's who not. needs a master's yeah who <laughs> needs a master's and then yeah here i am, <laughs> here I am. dr brian may rock yeah. guitarist and astrophysicist yeah well there you go. True. sorry yeah. i'm not bored i'm just tired <laughs> it's past my bedtime yeah no you're quite right he's a very intelligent man yeah, yeah. loves badgers <laughs> He does love badges. He loves them so much. Well, who doesn't, to he be fair? Badges, yeah. Oh, oh actually, um, I was down, down in our field, and uh, there's a stone building on it. And looking around it one time, went in the stone building, and there was a badger <gasps> in the building. And now badgers can be vicious when mm, cornered. So basically, we all just kind of said, well, back, <laughs> the door, <laughs> and the, the badger. badgers went charging through. It was like, and breathe again. <laughs> 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 they don't look like much because they're quite small, aren't they, Badgers? But they are, yeah, they can be vicious. They're small, but they are solid. Powerful muscle. little things. Very yeah. powerful. Yeah, yeah. You know, very strong. And yeah, they are, you know, leave them be, they'll leave you be. You corner them, you pay the price. Don't corner a badger, as we've learned tonight. Don't corner yeah. a badger. Don't corner a badger. <laughs> valuable life advice for everyone. Life lesson. Right, and that's a sound piece of advice. Don't quote Connor a badger. You're learning here, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we will leave that for there. So thank you very much, Laura. It's been an absolute pleasure again. Thank you very much. Uh, when Absolute the game does joy. come out, let us know. Come back on. I will. We'll have a yep. chat uh, about to. it. And um, yeah, by all means, get your boss to send us a copy and we'll review <laughs> it. <laughs> we will review it, not just send us a copy. I, I know. I, I will be in touch. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Excellent. Um, so yeah thanks very much uh, everybody thanks uh, for watching uh, Chris cheers for uh, the comment much appreciated uh, for myself I've been Matt Geary with me has been Peter Ray Allison good evening everyone and Goodbye, our guest. <laughs> nice one Pete you had one job you had one job Pete <laughs> <laughs> nice one <laughs> uh, Peter Ray Allison goodbye everyone <laughs> and Laura Morrow good night everyone Bye. Bye.